Genesis 41, verse 53. The Bible says, And the seven years of plenteousness that was in the land of Egypt were ended. And the seven years of dearth began to come according as Joseph had said. And the dearth was in all lands, but in all the land of Egypt there was bread. And when all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. And Pharaoh said unto all the Egyptians, Go unto Joseph, what he saith to you, do. And the famine was over all the face of the earth, and Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold unto the Egyptians. And the famine waxed sore in the land of Egypt. And all the countries came into Egypt to Joseph for to buy corn, because that the famine was so sore in all lands. Now continue reading with me in chapter 42. Now when Jacob saw that there was corn in Egypt, Jacob said unto his sons, Why do you look one upon another? And he said, Behold, I have heard that there is corn in Egypt. Get you down thither and buy for us from thence, that we may live and not die. I'm going to stop reading right there. In my Bible, I underline the question that Jacob asked his sons in verse 1 of chapter 42. Why do you look one upon another? And I want to emphasize that question this morning. Why do you look one upon another? I've tried to come up with a good title for the message this morning and I've just really struggled. So I'm just going to title it this. Don't look at me. Don't look at me. Has anybody, have you ever told somebody that? They're looking for something and you ain't got it. You say, well, don't look at me. And that's exactly what Jacob told his sons. He said, why are y'all looking around at each other? Y'all can't help each other, but there is one in Egypt that can help you. That's the one that you need to be looking to. How many of y'all kind of picking up what I'm laying down here? And I want to tell you, when it comes to this story of Joseph, there's really one word that comes to mind, and it is the word providence. I love that word providence. I love the doctrine of providence, the thought of providence, because providence is God providing for your need. God providing for your need before you even know that you have a need. Providence is God being in your tomorrow while you're still in today and He's making provision for your tomorrow. He's making a way when you didn't even know there was going to be an obstacle. It is the God that goes before us. Aren't you thankful that God is not limited by time and space like we are? He is the Alpha. He's the Omega. He's the beginning. He is the end. It is nothing for God to know what's going to happen in our tomorrow and go ahead and make provisions for us so that we have something to sustain our lives before we ever get 
to our tomorrow before we ever wake up. Let me just put it like this. Before I ever get up tomorrow morning, if that's God's will for my life to wake up tomorrow morning, before I ever get there, there's a God that's already went ahead of me and He's making sure I'm going to have what I need to be taken care of tomorrow. That's providence. And that is the story of Joseph. Joseph is one that was sent before. We see the providence of God working full steam in the life of Joseph. The worst outcome possible from a sore famine that would last seven years in Egypt was avoided because God had sent a Joseph. Now it wasn't the prettiest of, uh, of pictures. It wasn't the most pleasant of paths that Joseph had to take to get where he was. In fact, Joseph had great dreams of, uh, of being in authority that God had given unto him and everything but his dreams were taking place. Instead of taking a beeline to the throne. The boy was thrown in a pit, and then he was sold into slavery. And then he was lied about. And then he was thrown into a prison. And then he was forgotten about. And it seems like everything is going wrong in Joseph's life. Feels like that he ought to be up there. God, you said I would be up here. But Lord, it seems like every step I take, it brings me further away. It takes me further away from where I thought I was going to be and where I thought that I was going to go. But in one moment of time, almost like the slingshot that is brought back and back and back and back and back. That's how Joseph's life was. It was a series of setbacks and setbacks and setbacks. And all of a sudden, when God had him all the way back. He let that thing go and Joseph said, and I'm going to tell you something, when God launches a man, you ain't going. You better not get in his way, amen, because God is moving him uh, to where he wants him to be. And it wasn't just for Joseph's sake, but it was to save much people alive, the Bible says. It was even to save his brethren, and not just to preserve his family, but it was to preserve God's chosen people through which the Messiah would come one day. There's a lot of things at stake, and you better believe sometimes it looks like you're down, and sometimes it looks like you're out. But I'm going to tell you something, God is always in control no matter what's going on. And there's providence working in Joseph's life. Now Joseph is in a place where he is in charge of all the distribution of food in the midst of the famine. Can I tell you, if you're in a famine, you want to be in control of the food. Amen. How many of you know you need food to live? Amen. And we eat more food than we need to live. Amen. It's about killing us how much food we eat. It's counterproductive, isn't it? But he was in charge of it. In fact, if you wanted food, there was only one place to go. And verse 57 in our text we read of chapter 41 tells us that all the countries came into Egypt to Joseph to buy corn because that the famine was so sore in all the lands. Every land. Not just Egypt was affected by this famine, but all the lands. In fact, it says all lands. It pretty much means the, the entire world was affected by this famine, a global famine. And if you were going to get food, you had to go to one place. And it includes Canaan land, where God's chosen people dwelt, Jacob and his sons that would raise up the twelve tribes and become the twelve tribes of Israel. And when we come into chapter 42, we are looking here at a family that has absolutely depleted their resources. Every family, every, every brother here, uh, that were brothers of Joseph, 
Reuben and Simeon and Naphtali and Dan and Gad and all of them. They all represented their own family. In fact, when they move into Egypt and into Goshen in a couple chapters here, it tells us how many souls were with them, how many. Every one of them had their own family, a wife and children, and had people that they were responsible for, and people that they, they had mouths to feed. And as this famine began to take over the land, they began to watch their, their resources, watch their, uh, watch their food supply. It just began to diminish, diminish, and, and it was not replaced with new crops and, 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 and a new harvest and it just goes down and his mouths began to eat and, 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 and because you need to to live and their supply goes down and income has stopped and outgo keeps going out and income is not coming in and, and their supply is all the way down. No doubt maybe one of the brothers would have went to another one of the brothers and said, you know, I'm, I'm running out of food. What, 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 kind of, what do you have? Do you have any corn? Do you have any barley? Do you have any grain? What, what do you have? And one of the brothers said, Man, I'm running out too. Maybe I got just a little bit I might could share with you, but I don't have much left. And, and so they, they've, been, they've been looking to one another to try to share and take care of one another. But there comes a point where Reuben is out and Simeon is out and Gad is out and Naphtali is out and all of Manasseh is out. Oh, well, not Manasseh. That's one, of the, that's one of Joseph's boys. But all of them, you get what I'm saying? They're all, they all running out and they're all, they're all, their resources are all depleted and, and now they're all bankrupt and they're sitting there looking and said, are you sure? You're hiding some. You got some somewhere from me. And I can just see in my head if y'all let me use a little creativity this morning. They're getting up frustrated with one another and they're getting mad at one another and all these boys are, are, are they're fussing and they're fighting and they're arguing and saying, man, I got a baby to feed and I got a wife to feed and I got, and I got this to take care of and I got servants to feed and man, you're holding back. You're hiding some somewhere and they're all mad at each other and they're all frustrated and they're all just fussing and fighting and Jacob the wise daddy steps in and he says, Hey! Everybody shut up. That's in the original. You've got to find that in the Hebrew Masoretic text or whatever. It's in there somewhere. He said, Everybody just be quiet. He says, What in the world are you bunch of dummies doing? Looking around. Listen, he ain't got no food. They're starving. You're starving. You're starving. You're starving. You're starving. Why, why are y'all looking to each other to give you what each other don't have? You ain't got it. And by the way, can I give you a little truth here? It's going to blow your mind. You ready? You can't give what you ain't got. And you can't get out of people what they don't have. Jacob said, listen, haven't you heard? Haven't you been hearing the, 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 the rumors? Haven't you been hearing the news? There is corn in Egypt. There's a man in Egypt that is over all the corn. And if you need something, if you need a supply, that's where you're going to have to go. Listen, you can't just sit here and die. You can't just sit here and fuss and fight. You're going to have to get up and you're going to have to get out of your comfort zone and you're going to have to go down there to Egypt and you're going to have to find out who this man is and you're going to have to see if you can't get some corn or we're all, verse number 2, he said, we're all going to die if we don't. He said, let's do it so we can live and not die. Why are y'all all standing around and looking at each other? 
Isn't the admonition very clear? they got to quit looking to each other for things that they don't have and get themselves to a place and to a person where their needs could be met and somebody that can meet their needs. Can I tell you what we do? We set ourselves up for disappointment when we look to people to give us something that they don't have. And that's when we get disappointed in each other. That's when we get frustrated with each other. That's when we get like them brothers. We're just fussing and fighting. Listen, because we're looking, I'm looking to you, and you're looking to me to give you something that you can only get from somebody else. We set ourselves up for some real big disappointments. There was only one who could meet their needs. His name was Joseph. Now, they didn't know who he was. They didn't know the connection. They are going to figure all that out. All they knew was that in Egypt, there's a guy who's got corn, and we're going to have to go to him. And they heard that he was meeting everybody's needs. If you'll just go to Joseph, he will hook you up with what you need. And man, what is wonderful about this story is they're going to find out who Joseph is. And they're going to find out who jo- They're going to find out that he was the one who was the beloved son of his father. They're going to find out that Joseph was the one that was hated and rejected and despised by his brethren. They're going to find out that Joseph was the one who became a a lowly and a humble servant. Joseph was the one who resisted temptation and lived a righteous and a holy life. They're going to find out that Joseph was the one who was left for dead in a pit but was raised up to sit on a throne. They were going to find out that Joseph was the Savior of the entire world. And I don't know if that sounds like somebody else you've ever heard of, but it sounds like Jesus, if you ask me. Amen. Somebody that was beloved of His Father. Somebody that lived a holy, righteous life. Somebody that humbled Himself and became a servant. Somebody they thought they had buried, but He popped up on the third day, and now He sits on the throne. Somebody, the only somebody, the only one who is Savior of the entire world. Sounds like like Jesus. And by the way, if you're not putting all the dots together, let me help you out. Just to get your crayon out. Let's connect these dots just real quick. You ready? Listen, you ain't got it. I ain't got it. But Jesus does. Don't look at me. Look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despised the shame. Aren't you thankful that there's somebody we can look to to meet our needs? Listen, you got needs in here this morning I can't help you with. I got needs in here this morning you can't help me with. And I love you and I think some of y'all love me. Well listen, no matter how much we love each other, no matter how much we want to help each other, listen, there's some things you can only go to Jesus for. So don't look at me. Don't sit here and look at each other. I'm not the guy who's got all the answers. I'm not the guy who has all the resources. I'm just the guy that stands up here and points you to the one who does. And that's what Jacob did. He said, he, he got them boys quit. He said, quit looking at each other. And he pointed them to Joseph. And Jacob didn't even realize who he was pointing to. And brothers didn't realize it, but they would. Amen. And you may not even realize everything Jesus is. You may not even know how wonderful He is. But listen, you just start moving in His direction and the Holy Ghost will start putting some things together for you. Amen. And you'll look back and realize, man, how wonderful He is and how great He is. He's got the answer. Why are we sitting around here? In fact, isn't that what church has become? We sit around here and we look at each other. 
And that's what everything. Listen, we sit around here and we look at each other. And listen, and we're all going to leave disappointed that way. And there's some preachers, they set themselves up. They're the guru. They have all the answers. They have it all. Listen, I'll readily tell you this morning, I don't have it. I can't do it. It's not in me. But everything that you need, you can find in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's got everything you need. Amen. He's got everything we need. So don't look at me. Look at Jesus. That's what Jacob was saying. He said, don't look at each other. Look at Joseph. And I'm saying, don't look at us. Don't look at each other. Look at Jesus. Well, let me tell you what Jesus has got for you. You ready? Number one, only Jesus has the fullness that you're looking for. Only Jesus has the fullness that you're looking for. Our text is very clear that Joseph was the only one who was in charge of the distribution of food during this famine. Do you look, look at verse number 55, the text we read? Here's what Pharaoh told everybody. Pharaoh even had it. He had it down. He said, listen, if you want some bread, here's what we do. Go unto Joseph. I underline that in my Bible. Go unto Joseph, verse 55. Verse 56, and Joseph opened all the storehouses. Who's the only one that had the key to open all the storehouses, had the authority? It was Joseph. He had to open all the storehouses. Verse 57, and all the Countries came into Egypt to who? To Joseph. That's where it was. Verse number 6 of chapter 42. And Joseph was the governor over the land, and he it was that sold to all the people. If you wanted some corn, if you wanted some food, there was only one man that had it all. It was Joseph. If you didn't go to Joseph, if you would not humble yourself and go to Joseph, you were going to die with an empty belly. You were going to die with empty in your life. But if you wanted fullness, if you wanted satisfaction, if you wanted sustenance, if you wanted something that will help you live another day and walk another mile, you are going to have to humble yourself and you are going to have to find Joseph and you are going to have to ask him for provision. And can I tell you, I think the truth is real clear in this text, in this story today, and that there is only one source of satisfaction in life and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, you can bow before money, but it won't fill you up. You can bow before relationships, but it will not fill you up. You can bow before drugs and drink, but it will not fill you up. You can bow before the altar of popularity and fun and pleasure, but it will not fill you up. You can bow before the altar of possessions and things and stuff, but it will only leave you empty and longing for more. There is a void, there is an emptiness in your life that only the Lord Jesus Christ can fill. And the fullness, the satisfaction that you're looking for can only be found in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Solomon found that to be true, didn't he? He had everything a man could want. Solomon said, if my eyes wanted it, my, my checkbook wrote a check for it. Amen. He got whatever. He built houses and he had lands and he had all the women and he had all the wine and he had all the comedy and all the entertainment that he could want. He had it all and he tried every single one of them and he finally come to the conclusion that the only way to be satisfied in life is to fear God and keep His commandments that's the conclusion of the whole matter he said I hated life I despised life he said it was vanity of vanities just emptiness just nothing and the American dream is the American scheme they're lying to you 
They're saying, if you get all the money, if you have this, you'll be happy. And if you got that, you'll be happy. And if you just had this woman, if you just had this man, if you just had this money, if you just had this job, if you just had this house, if you just had this car, if you just had it, then you would be happy. But I'm here to tell you, friend, the only thing worse than having none of your dreams come true is having them all come true and still being unhappy with life. There's been a lot of people found out. They climbed the ladder all the way to the top and they climbed and they climbed and they climbed and they sacrificed their family and they sacrificed their relationship with God and they sacrificed all kind of things to climb the top of the ladder and they get to the top and ain't nothing there. Nothing's there. And that's when they want to jump. That's when they want to end it all when they find out they've been lied to. Can I tell you, only Jesus can satisfy you. If you want to destroy a marriage, I'm going to tell you how to do Take two unfulfilled people and set them in a room and looking at each other to try to fill each other and fulfill each other's lives. There ain't a person on this planet that could fulfill you the way Jesus can. Amen. Amen. You want to destroy a church, you get a bunch of unfulfilled people with an unfulfilled pastor and they sit there looking at each other and the people looking at the preacher and the preacher's looking at the people. And I'll tell you what they'll do. They'll fight and fuss and bicker and holler and hurt one another is what they'll do. Amen. Because when you get two unfulfilled people and you put them together, what you got is two unfulfilled people. Amen. Amen. You need Jesus is what you need. Your marriage, you need Jesus. Your home, you need Jesus. Our church, we need Jesus. Man, we ought to be a group of people that look to Jesus together. Listen, husbands, look to Jesus. Wives, look to Jesus. If you'll both look to Jesus and get your satisfaction from Him, you can be a blessing one to another in your home. That's the only way to do it. Don't find somebody to replace Jesus. Find somebody who will point you to Jesus and remind you of Jesus. The old song says, All my life I had a longing for a drink from some clear spring that I hoped would quench my burning of the thirst I felt within. And I love that chorus. It says, Hallelujah, I have found him. I'm here to tell you, I found him. Amen. I found I don't have a lot of money. I ain't got a lot of things. I ain't got a lot of stuff. But I'll tell you what I do got. I got Jesus. And there's a satisfaction that all the money in the world cannot buy. And I'm here to tell you, just like they did when they got their sacks full of corn, they said, Hallelujah, Daddy, we found Him. Amen. We have found Him whom our soul so long has craved. Jesus satisfies my longings through His blood. I now am saved. He's the only one that will satisfy you. He's the only one that can. Only Jesus can give you the fullness that you're looking for. Number two, can I give you another one? Only Jesus can give you the forgiveness that you're looking for. You know what's amazing? It's been, if my, if my math's right, which <laughs> there's a chance it's not, a really good chance. I would tell you how, how good of a chance, but I'm not good at statistics either. I don't, I don't know. It's a really good one. But if my math's right, it's been two decades, over two decades, since uh, these brothers have sold Joseph into slavery. It's been over two decades since, it's been 20-something years since these brothers have done what they did to Joseph. And yet, when they come to Joseph, they don't know it's him. And he puts, and he, he begins to deal harshly with them, testing them. And I don't have time to go through the whole story, but look at verse 21 of chapter 42. After 20 plus years, here's what they said. 
one to another. Look what it says. We are verily what? Guilty concerning our brother in that we saw the anguish of his soul when he besought us and we would not hear. I'm talking about when they, throw, when they threw Joseph in that pit. Therefore is this distress come upon, come upon us. Listen, they had a little snag, a little heartache, a little trouble when they went to find corn. And as soon as they had a little trouble come up in their life, they began to look back 20 years in the past to things that they had done in the past. And they said, our guilt has come upon us. For 20 plus years, listen to me. For 20 plus years, they had been living in guilt and they had been living in shame because of what they did to their brother. And it, listen, I'm not trying to put something in the Bible that's not here, but if you think that's the first time they had a guilty conscience over that, I, I think you would be mistaken. If, if, if it happened 20 plus years, don't you think every time a little something, this is it, God's judging us, this is it, this is the judgment of God. And by the way, that's what happens when you have unconfessed sin in your life. You're always looking over your shoulder, it's always in your mind, you're, you're, you're depressed with guilt. And listen, some people, they don't need a pill, they don't need a potion, they don't need a, they don't need a psychiatrist, I'll tell you what they need, they need a good old-fashioned confession of sin. They feel guilty over what they've done. And there is a load of sin. There's a heaviness of guilt and shame. And I'm here to tell you, there was only one man on the planet that could lift their guilt and lift their shame off their life. And it was the one they sinned against. And through a process of time, I don't have time to go through all of it, Joseph reveals himself. And here's what he said. In fact, just go over to chapter 45 just for a second. This is the revelation this is when they find out Joseph is their brother, the one that they have sinned against. And here's what Joseph says. He says, verse 5, Now therefore, be not grieved, nor angry with yourselves that ye sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. Joseph looked at them, and in effect he says, don't be angry, don't be mad, I forgive you, God, you meant it for evil. That's what he does say in chapter 50. But God meant it for good. There was only one man on the face of the whole earth that could give them the relief of guilt and shame they were looking for and they needed. See, they thought they just needed corn, but they had a, they had a, a need that was much much deeper than that. They had a spiritual need. They had a load of sin that was on their life and there was only one man that could forgive them and it's the one they did wrong to. Can I tell you, your sin put Jesus on the cross. Listen, my sin put Jesus on the cross. There's one man that we've all sinned against. We have come short of the glory of God. You may have hurt somebody over here and you may have hurt somebody over there, but ultimately every sin is against God and He took all of our sin and He went to Calvary and He bore our sin and our shame. And there's only one. You're longing for forgiveness. You're longing for relief from guilt and shame. And there's only one that you can get it from and His name is Jesus. Only Jesus can give you that forgiveness that you're looking for. Only Jesus can relieve you of the guilt of sin in your life. 
And in chapter 50, they had to go back to Joseph, didn't they? And Joseph told it to them all over again. By the way, every time they went to Joseph, he told them the same thing. It's, it's okay. You meant it for evil. God meant it for good. And I'm going to tell you what, you may not have to... Listen, you only go one time to be saved, but I can't tell you how many times I've gone to Jesus over and over and over and gone to the Lord, and He always has the same tune. He always has the same story. And it's always, you are loved. You are forgiven. And when this old flesh and the devil starts condemning me for all that I've done and all the sin in my life and I feel the condemnation just like the song says all I gotta do is look upward and I see him there who made an end of all my sin and I remember I'm loved and I'm forgiven and that load of guilt and shame has to just escape it has to get up it has to head on out somewhere else because thank God Jesus has given me the forgive by the way that's what this world is longing for ultimately and the world has their remedies and they have their solutions for all the guilt and the shame. Take this pill and you'll forget about it. You just need a new atmosphere. You need a new job. You need to change who you're hanging around. You're hanging around these toxic... Can I tell you what it is? Let me tell you what is plaguing our world. It is the guilt of sin. It is the load of shame that comes along with a life of sin. And there's only one that can give you the forgiveness that you're looking for. And His name is Jesus. Only Jesus can give you the fullness you're looking for. Only Jesus can give you the forgiveness that you're looking for. And I want to say this, and I'm done. Only Jesus can give you the future that you're looking for. Because back in, well, in chapter 45, that's where I'm at now. He told them, he said, <laughs> verse 10, And thou shalt dwell in the land of Goshen, and thou shalt be near unto me, thou and thy children and thy children's children and thy flocks and thy herds and all that thou hast. And there will I nourish thee for yet there are five years of famine, lest thou and thy household and all that thou hast come to poverty. And behold, your eyes see in the eyes of my brother Benjamin that it is my mouth that speaketh unto you. And ye shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt and of all that ye have seen. Ye shall haste and bring down my Father, hither. And then the next couple of verses, they began to move that direction. After the fullness and after the forgiveness, Joseph unveils a wonderful master plan for this family's future. And there was only one man that had the power to relocate them from where they were living and give them a brand new land with unlimited provision, unlimited connections. I mean, they, had, they were set up with everything that they need. And I couldn't help but think about what Jesus said when he said, Let not your heart be troubled. He said, You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go, I will come again, receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Here's what Jesus can do for you. One day when this life is over, thank God, there's going to be a grand relocation. He's going to pick me up, and he's moving me to where he lives. He's going to take care of me while the ages roll. Only Jesus can give you a future like that. I'll tell you what the thief does. He comes to steal, to kill, destroy. That's it. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Now listen. What are y'all doing around here looking at each other like that? Huh? You think I can give you all that? I, I, can't, I can't give you nothing. But I can point you to the one who's got it all. 
why do we sit here and look at each other and say, yeah, and there's husbands mad at, mad at wives and wives mad at husbands and people mad at preachers and preachers mad at churches and all kind of, we just all sit around here and people just mad all the time. Why? Because they're empty. And they're trying to get out of people what you can only get from Jesus. Amen. Don't look out of each other what you can only get from Jesus. Let's stand together, Miss Maddie.